Hey, this is Mieka hitting you with a quick message before we get this episode rolling. The following conversations are funny, insightful, entertaining, and a little wild, but two of our three creatures today have names that our lovely hosts have mispronounced. This is a fantastic game with decades of fictional monsters, places, characters, and events. And we're all playing in an edition that has blown up and expanded to all sorts of people who have never picked up dice before 2016. So it's important for everyone to remember that we should never tease people for reading and experiencing new words. And we should be able to embrace the new creative thoughts and ideas that are brought to our tables by new players, new DMs, and anyone who may have learned the wrong pronunciations through decades of the telephone game with their friends. So I'm going to pipe in with the proper pronunciations when they come up. But you should know that if your DM, fellow players, or even yourself has a unique way of saying something, that it is all valid. None of this truly matters. And we should support and encourage everyone who is trying out new language for the first time. Welcome to another episode of Bring Out Your Undead. I, Casey, have reanimated Megan and Elwyn so we can hunt. (laughs) So we can haunt. You were going to hunt. We're hunting today. We're hunting. (laughs) Yeah. So we can haunt your speakers with our ghostly voices in this episode called When Poor Life Choices Become Afterlife Voices. This episode is going to focus on three classic D&D enemies who made bad decisions during their lifetimes and have returned as terrifying, malevolent undead. But before we get any further, I want to ask you, what is, in your opinion, the most terrifying creature from folklore, not including movies and TV? I feel like terrifying is the wrong word to use for us, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I feel like we all, all of us read way too much smut. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, it takes a lot. So it takes a lot for something to be legitimately frightening and terrifying. 100%. Because there's like, there's like, and like, a, there is like a scientific thing, internet correct me if I'm wrong, but like fear and like, like love are very similar in brainwave. In, in the chem, in the, I think in, the, in, in, I think in chemistry, like the, yeah. the, the endorphins that get released are similar, similar in like attraction. I mean, just like, just like passion and, and, and hatred are very, very close similar. together. Yeah. I um, believe it. I would absolutely believe we're making that facts uh, <laughs> with all of our wonderful non-existent doctorates. Um. Yes. Not a, well, I mean, technically Casey's a scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not in psychological shit. Not in, not in, not in brain chemistry. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately. Mm. But I understand where you're going with this question. So, like, to be honest, though, like, some of the most terrifying horror movies I've watched, ones that scare me the most is things that are just unknown and bumps in the night. That's the stuff that gets me. If I'm watching a horror movie, as soon as I see the monster, my fear factor is gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once, like, but if you know, like, I think that's why I really love those, what were they called? Paranormal Activity when they first came out. I know everybody fucking hated them. I fucking loved them. them. Yeah. The unknown and the invisible are fucking frightening. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Ghosts to me, like that haunting, like you can't see yes. it, but it's doing shit. That yeah. freaks me out. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, when you don't know, is that just a creak in my house because it's settling or is that a demon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, even like possession stuff doesn't no. frighten me that much. No. Like, no. as soon as the possession happens, I'm like, mm, that's nice. Yeah. It's, the, it's the pre and then the after where you yeah. don't see the evil that's like lurking around. That's when I get the most scared. That's fair. Yeah. I honestly struggled to think of folklore not including movies and TV because all my terrors are from like yeah. I get nightmares from watching shows because it's scary <laughs> the, the night is dark and full of terrors yeah yeah um I have gone down very dark paths of like the Appalachian trails like the Appalachian mountains and things like that and like windigos and skinwalkers and oh, things yeah. like that that shit freaks me out. Yeah, man. I 100% believe all of those people that say that there are skinwalkers out there in those forests. I ain't fucking with them. Yeah, we call it skinwalker every once in a while. <laughs> I'm not fucking with them. I I don't know there is something about those, but again again I think it is like the fact that they take on forms of things that are either familiar to you or forms of like animals and that sort of stuff, but there's just something a little bit off so it's kind of the same with like the whole ghost thing it's not 100% known yeah and it's the, and they use familiarity to scare yeah. you right? so it's 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 that psychological and I think that that's really where a lot of really great stories really take root is their psychological manipulation mm -hmm. yeah those are the best horrors yeah those are the best kind of horrors yeah. <laughs> the best we <laughs> love it we love ever. it yeah yeah Oh, Lord. Well, we are going to roll off to decide who goes first. Let me get up the chalice of dice. Casey, I'm going to ask you to roll gently because I'm going to hold on to the box. Okay, I Try will focus. Find yourself a d20 Ooh, in there. There's a sparkly one. I'm going to choose a pure white one. Okay. Oh, that's a six. That's a four. Oh, no. Oh, that's a four. And a four. Oh, 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 shit. So we all bumped into fours. All of us rolled a four. So we're just going to re-roll that again. Re all right. All. Yeah. All right, I rolled a four again. I got a, a nine. nine. Twelve. Twelve. Twelve for so Elwyn. Elwyn, you're up first. In this section, Elwyn takes us down the dark path of Alips, which she calls Ellipse. And before any of you think she's getting it wrong, you should know that this is technically correct in the dialect spoken by the tribes north of Icewind Dale. So Alips, coming for me from the Mordekainen presents Monsters of Multiverse or... Uh, from Mordekainen's Tomb of Foes. Alips are tattered, twisted, tortured uh, beings, vaguely resembling the person that they once were. Uh, they are dark and have humanoid-ish upper bodies with glowing eyes and snarled mouths, but its lower body is more ghost-like, legless, translucent, uh, and trailing dark, gaseous fogs in its wake. <laughs> Alips can be found most commonly in two places, on the material plane. The first is in swamps, trolling through sunken ruins and remnants of long forgotten dw dwellings or crypts. The second is in urban settings, but in places like a wizard's study or libraries, maybe in the unrestricted section, where dark lore is often kept tucked away on shelves. Alips have also been rumored to have been seen in Barovia sometimes. Mm. It is also said that alips are created when a person uncovers a secret that is too big, too powerful, or too all-knowing for its physical body to contain. 
a secret like the hidden truths of cosmic order or a demon lord's true first name that typically is protected by greater powerful beings with some sort of curse as a deterrent. And as such, the curse obliterates the physical form, leaving only the spectral entity formed by, physic, uh, by psychic agony and bits and pieces of the victim's mind. Each ellip is a tortured soul haunted by the knowledge that drives the remnants of its mind mad. An ellip may try to share its knowledge with another person in an attempt to alleviate some of its burden, but this takes time. Only being able to convey fragments, bits and pieces, it is still enough to result in mental agony and impulses within its victim. I feel like this is the process of like trying to have like a either remembering a bad dream that you had or trying yeah. to figure out whether a memory you have is a memory yeah. or a dream. I feel like yeah. that's the kind of frustration I'm feeling from this. Yeah. Yeah. So if an ellip is able to remain hidden by lurking in a library or study of a scholar, a wizard, a sage, or some other type of academic, it can share its lore and make its victim almost manic, working around the clock, writing nonsense and nothingness that hides the horrid secrets that the ellip knows. If the ellip is success successful, it is able to move on to the afterlife while its secrets remain scribbled within the scholar's rambling lore for others to eventually find. Okay, this is <laughs> this is straight out of Harry Potter. It it does feel like very Harry Potterish. So kind of going back to like the description of them, they kind of look like Dementors without the cloak. Yeah. Like they're like the picture that they have in like in either of Mordekainen's books, like they're very like just dark, like their legs are gaseous and things like that. But like they just kind of like float there. Yeah. Anyway, so very yeah. Their own their main is their main objective to try and do this to someone. Their main get... objective is psychological torture on people. They want people to be as psychologically tortured as they are. So, like, their their discovery of whatever secret they discovered, they're like, okay, well, if I have to feel this, somebody else needs to feel this. I feel like it's that guy that figured out that Tom Riddle was Voldemort, and it was just the scramble of the letters, which is not oh. very secret, by the way. <laughs> um, Tom Riddle's diary, and, like, like I am Lord Voldemort, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, does, have, it does have little twinges of, of that, yeah. So... A notable ellip is Yeldoon, uh, known for being either in Waterdeep or the Undermountain. Yeldoop would uh, Yeldoon would often fund parties uh, to explore the Undermountain, and after acquiring a cursed item, it turned his interests into the dungeon of the Undermountain into an obsession. When Yeldoon died, he was buried in a crypt in the Undermountain, but thanks to the cursed item, he rose as an undead. His body as a as a a white, white a yep. white, and his soul is an ellip. Yeldun resides in the crypt on the second level of the Undermountain with all of his wealth and his cursed item to this day. Although that it is just the soul that became the ellip. It is, yeah. So it is, it's kind of one of those where your corporeal body and your soul kind of get fragmented. So, Separated, yeah. you know, through through a lot of the different um, kind of undeads that we've gone through, we've talked about corps, corpses resurrecting and becoming certain things and souls resurrecting and becoming certain things. So this is kind of one of those where it's specifically the soul of the person, the mind and this the psyche of the person that becomes this monster. Mm. Yeah. So heading into the stat blocks of these guys. So they are a medium undead. They are typically neutral evil. 
They have a challenge rating of five uh, with an AC of 13 and 40 hit points. They have a zero speed, but they have a 40 fly because they hover. They have no legs. I feel like that's going to be a theme today. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I like, um, I like to hover. <laughs> um, they have a, a strength of six with a, so at a minus two. Their dex is 17, um, which is plus three. Con is 10, which is plus zero. Intelligence is also a 17 um, for a plus three. Their wisdom is 15 for a plus two. And charisma is 16 for a plus three. So everything's so, above average except for strength. Except for strength. They're yeah. not They're not very beefy. They just kind of, they're little misty ghosties. Yeah. Constitution is also just neutral. Yeah. Um, saving throws, plus six to intelligence and plus five to wisdom. Uh, skill per, uh, Skills, they have a plus five to perception and plus six to stealth. So again, they're kind of sneaky little buggers. Um, damage resistance. They are resistant to acid, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Damage immunities. Uh, they are immune to cold, necrotic, and poison. Condition immunities. They are immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. Very classic for the ghosty types. Yeah. However, the cold thing, again, that fits way too much of the Dementor nonsense. It does. <laughs> Yeah. I, the whole time I was reading these guys and I was like looking at them, I'm like, they're just a Dementor without a cloak. Yeah. Really are. And I mean, Dementors are all about like that psychological anguish as well. So I don't know, man. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. They have a 60 foot dark vision and they also have a passive perception of 15. Um, the languages that they know are whatever languages they knew in real life or in life. They've got uh, incorporeal movement, uh, so they can move through other creatures and objects uh, as if they were difficult terrain, and it takes uh, 5 or 1d10 force damage if it ends its turn inside of that object. Unusual nature, um, very common with you know our Undead series. They don't require air, food, drink, sleep, that Classic, sort of thing. Yeah. Classic. Mm -hmm. Actions. Ellipse have something called Maddening Touch. It is a melee spell attack with a plus six to hit and a five foot reach against one target. It is uh, 17 points of psychic damage. Uh, they've also got Howling Babble, which uh, recharges after every use on a six. Each creature within 30 feet of the ellipse can hear it, or that can hear it, must make a DC 14 wisdom save throw. On a failed save, a target takes 12 psychic damage, and it is stunned until the end of the next turn. On a successful save, it takes half as much damage and isn't stunned. Constructs and undead are immune to this effect. Okay. And then it's also got whispers of compulsion. Uh, the ellip chooses up to three creatures. It can see within 60 feet of it. Each target must succeed on a DC 14 wisdom save throw, or take 12 psychic damage and must use its reaction to make a melee weapon attack against one creature of the ellipse choice that the ellipse can see. Constructs and undead are immune to this effect. Up to three. Up to mm. three. Mm -hmm. Up to three. So you can just really fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, and, with a, and a wisdom save would be hard to make for any kind of like melee structured for character. any, like a barbarian making a wisdom save. Well, even a paladin is charisma based. Or a paladin, based. yeah. Like it's like a lot of our magic yeah. users nowadays yeah. are charisma based, not necessarily wisdom. It's like only your wizards and shit. Yeah. Nowadays, which I think is, again, key because Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. But yes. then again, people will argue that Harry Potter are sorcerers, not wizards, because they're born with magic, not learned. Correct. 
but you right. know, I mean, there's internet. You can argue about that on a later date, but that's <laughs> anyways. I like. I, I just went Harry Potter themed with this. I one. just feel like you're a wizard. Harry flows off the tongue better than you're a sorcerer. You're, you're a sorcerer. <laughs> you're a saucy sorcerer. Yeah. This is true. All right, let's roll some dice to talk more. Let me get. How the are we going to use these? Let me get the chalice here. Oh, that's a, that's a D12. Oh, I got an 18. Oh, 19. boy. Ooh, 19. Okay, Elwyn, 19. Megan, 18. 18. Me, I'm a 13. 13. Yeah. Okay, fine. Put the chalice away. Alright, so first we're going to go into role-playing. So this can be touching on um, quests, plot hooks, adventures, um, some sort of role-playing tips for DMs. How would you do this? So with this guy, the thing that kind of stuck with me was when they were talking about, you know, like some sort of like scholar or like wizard's library or something like that. And I kind of keep thinking back to you sometimes when you have an adventuring party, you sometimes, especially when you're in a long campaign and things like that, you have like a whole base. And if you got a wizard in, in your in your party, they're going to be setting up some sort of library and things like that. And usually when it comes to like home bases and things like that, you sometimes inherit like an abandoned house within a village that you keep coming back to and that sort of thing. And for me, I always uh, like when I was going through this, I'm like, wouldn't it be sick if there was an ellip that was just in like that was in that library that the wizard set up that was in your party. And every time you kind of like go back to that house, and you kind of have downtime that ellip is like, triggering that like whispering to that wizard and like slowly starting to drive that wizard mad in your party and you have like a specific reason you have to go get some info and you have, there and so yeah. it's like Ugh. so you're like continuously going back home back to your home base or like you just keep circling back to that place and that wizard just like slowly starts to go mad and i feel like that would be a really fun kind of side play to have with your wizard character in your party as a dm you're having those kind of side conversations and you're like you know this is what's happening and like you're slowly deteriorating and nobody else from the rest of the party knows what's going on mm -hmm. they just slowly see their wizard going mad yeah and, and it, it always happens at home <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it could be a thing where like as soon as you move a certain distance away you mm -hmm. even like you don't even remember it happened but like Not the exactly. damage sustains yeah. but you yeah. don't even know what happened yeah this is just your classic wizard's tower don't go to the west wing 100 <laughs> percent like, and that's how I feel. That's, yeah, that's really what it is. But I think that for, like, a role-playing tip in my mind, if I was to be a DM and I wanted one of these, is I would definitely introduce a sanity mechanic. Yeah. 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 Like, you have to with this one. Absolutely. All of its abilities have to do with psych psychological yeah. damage. Um, and, like, their whole thing is making people feel the psyche. So if you wanted to introduce your characters' backstories and have some of their tortured backstories come mm. to life, because let's be real, every fucking D&D &D player... Makes Every character I have never background. experienced a happy D&D &D backstory. I have made one. <laughs> one in my life did I make a happy backstory. I made a happy backstory, and then my DM psychologically tortured my character. I love that. I love it when that happens. Uh, but that would be my thing. Is like, yeah, I would definitely, if I was a DM, I would introduce some kind of a sanity check uh, when these kinds of things happen, not just the regular save. Especially if you fail to mm -hmm. start taking away like your sanity, depending on like and every DM does sanity checks differently, yeah. depending on what role playing game you kind of like take that home brew, home brew rule from. Yeah. But I think you could add in the visual, the visuals of like 
this person, like the, this ghost that you see takes on the form of your most hated person or like your worst nightmare or your worst enemy or what have you, right? Or the flip side, it is your grandmother that passed away. Yeah. Anyways, Casey, role-playing ideas from you. <laughs> okay, well, I th- agree on all of that. And I actually, because I had used Candlekeep in... Um, mm-hmm a few different sessions with the campaign with my family. Yeah. And so obviously it's full of books. So I thought about um, potentially somebody hiding some sort of powerful thing in Candlekeep. Mm. And one of the like known sages was just doing their thing in Candlekeep and it popped off. Yeah. And they become like one of these and they're Mm. roaming Candlekeep and like, the old, the other old guy, dudes just don't know what to do. Yeah, like they find a book within the library, open it up, and there's like a note from someone's lover, and that's the main secret that causes the ellipse to be created. Yeah, Conjured, and so right? it's just like, like it's completely by accident. But then this beloved sage or mage or whatever you want it to be yeah. is now becomes this, mm-hmm. and so like. Maybe you enlist a party to come try and figure out what happened or enlist a party to, like, destroy it, even though it's like, oh, my God, this is our, like, beloved person. Um, But that could be a fun way to add it in building off of another, um, like, campaign book. Yeah, very much. Bring another book in. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. Moving on to um, exploration, like environmental interactions or body horror with this thing um, and any sort of unique abilities that you might want to play out. Elwyn, what do you think? Um, I mean, I'm always kind of about that narrative of like, what is it doing? Um, and really kind of painting that picture and kind of pulling off of the Dementor because I definitely had that thought when going through this. Um, and it always being cold and things like that, that one corner of the library that it haunts out and things like that. Like, it's just, it's just maybe a couple of degrees colder. And then when it's like, it's haunting you or it's talking to you, like you have that, like that chill that mm-hmm. runs down your, like, you know, you get those like random shivers sometimes when you're just sitting there and you just get a shiver down your back. Mm-hmm. And it's just as it's kind of invading your psyche and it's talking to you and things like that, you just get that overwhelming, just chill and cold. And, um, you know, when it comes to like its spells and attacks and things like that, like it's a lot of it's a lot of like vocal, um, you know, howling babble and like whispers of compulsion and things like that. And so it's a lot of... um, it's a lot of the like undistinguishable whispers that you kind of hear over your back shoulder as it's just kind of whispering in your ear and you're just getting those creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm. Cause like that would just freak me out as a person. Yeah. yeah. And so I would just want to instill that on my players as well. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. And you could easily play into that if you're navigating through not the part of the library that it's yeah. in, but like you start hearing this and then yeah. you come up and you've encountered something it's attacked, Mm -hmm. but you get closer and closer. You hear more of those whispers. You hear more of like the babbling sounds, the howling, creepy. The baleful howl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, 
I do like the idea of playing the fact that like they're super cold, but the other ability that really kind of stuck out to me was the um, the touch one. What was it called? Um, the maddening touch. The maddening touch. So could you imagine <clears throat> going through a wizard's tower? You know you're going to be coming across a bunch of creepy things. Things are going to be yeah. trapped. You don't really want to touch anything. Yeah. So you've been kind of keeping to yourself. But you hear like the creaks and the babbles and the howls coming from a certain area of like some like library or not even maybe even the library. Maybe you're just in like you're just wandering around, right? And then all of a sudden, just out of the corner of the shadows, you just see a hand, like a hand or a claw come out, mm. and that's all you mm-hmm. see is the hand. Yeah. And then it touches you. Yes. And like everybody around you, then takes the effect of like the um, the howling babble or the whispers of compulsion, like just happen at the same time for anyone who's in the vicinity. But the person who gets touched takes the the maddening touch, like immediately. Yeah. And then everyone else around, like it pops off everything at once. Yeah. As like a, uh, it's like you got too close. I mean, yeah. and touch you, and then everyone else gets every other ability yeah. that I have. It's like, well, it's like, that's its reaction, and then it's rolling its first. Yeah. I'd yeah. like to point out to, every, to the audience that I pointed directly at Casey, and I said yeah. you were going to be... I felt yes. it. I felt it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to creep her out as much as possible, so... <laughs> yes, but the... I'm always interested in how you would play out, um, like, melee attacks when you have something that's, like, a ghost or incorporeal. Because it's, yeah. like, it's not going to be, like, a big slash or a big, no. like, roundhouse. A weapon. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah, you depicted it perfectly. It's yeah. going to be this slow, creepy, horrifying movement yeah. towards you. And just, like, they move their hand through your face. And then yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think you could even use some of that, like, existential crisis feeling the closer you get to it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like the idea, too, of them... The babbling is... You can't understand what they're saying, but the closer you get, you can actually discern what they're talking about, and it's something that you actually have to find out, or it Mm. triggers like, a side thing, like, they mention a name you know, or one of the players knows, and then you realize that they are in this scenario because they found out a secret about, like, something to do with one of the players, and the, or the mm. players' families. Mm-hmm. And so then it yeah. takes, like, a double take where it's like, wait, hold on, like, what, what are they saying? And then you have to yeah. decide whether somebody does accept... Yeah. To like be attacked by this thing and see if you can resurrect them after. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'll take one for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That sparked in my mind. Um, The body horror is pretty cool on it too. Like you could just like really play that out for when you actually see it. Like at first you see the hand. And then they like move out of the shadows. Like it, yeah. it would be really crazy. And like their faces are like twisted in anguish and horror. And so for that to just like come out of the shadows ever so slowly to be revealed, mm-hmm. really good dramatic entrance. Mm-hmm. We love we we love a good dramatic entrance. <laughs> we do, we do. Yeah, and on, here on this podcast and in life, we love a dramatic entrance. Flourish and allure for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess we kind of touched on combat about how to really yeah. play into the maddening touch and the sounds around those. Do you have anything to add on combat? No, I think we also kind of touched on, like, you know, tactics or, like, how does it hunt and things like that. Like, it's going to lurk and it's going to wait. It's going to yeah, play it the... Doesn't it's, really, it doesn't necessarily leave to go find no, something. It kind of waits no, for it, things to come to it. It's like a trapdoor spider. 
<laughs> it lives its life. Like, it's living its own life, right? It, well, it is, but I mean, like, it, it kind of wants peace. So it is still trying to kind of move on to the afterlife. Yeah. Um, but it knows, I don't, actually, I don't even know if it knows, it might know, um, that it's got to play the long game. Like, it knows that it's got to drive that that wizard mad to be able to kind of pass on its secrets and that sort of stuff. So it is going to be playing the long game. Yeah. So, you know, if you are going to build this into a campaign and things like that, you could do it where, you know, it is something, um, you know, it is a, a sage or a mage that, you know, has turned into this and you've had to figure it out. Or you could play the long game of, like, someone in your party is going to slowly start turning mad. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they found a book. That's because they found a, they found yeah they found a book or like it's just kind of haunting or like they're always going to, you know, um, you know one of the uh, like the temples libraries or something along those lines. Ooh, what if they actually interact and make a deal with like, look, I'll free you if you let me read this whole book because they yeah. you need certain pieces out of it. Yeah, and then and you know that your necromancy <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking <clears throat> wizard is gonna read that goddamn book. Yeah, looking always. right at you, Casey. Yeah, always. <laughs> And then all along the way, you're figuring out a way to survive or or not be cursed, the next cursed one, and totally fuck them over. (laughs) Be like, yes, yes, you're going to be free. Just let me read this. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We can move on to the next one. Now I forget who was next. Was it it me or you? It was you. I I rerolled a four. Oh, okay. Got it. We are about to hear from Casey, who will use the Celtic pronunciation of the word banshee. Some elves would call them Niar Adonis. We are going to move into the monster manual and talk about the Banshee. So at first glance, the Banshee is what you hope to encounter if you seek out the source of faint cries in the distant dark of night. You'll find them in forested areas and they look like beautiful, luminous female elves in spirit form. Having long white hair that flows all around their face and a once regal white gown that has turned to rags and swirls around their body, you likely want to go up to them and interact with them and try to help them even. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> but then, the closer you get, you'll see the rotted, sunken flesh around the bone and red-rimmed eyes, and notice that it is, in fact, a incorporeal ghost. It's kind of like when you wake up in the morning after your drunk stupor is done, you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, and I, I've, seen, I've seen it on TikTok, it's like women women go to the club and they like do their makeup and they do their oh, hair. Oh, yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, like, lights turn on. Or like, oh. like half of the evening, go to the bathroom, you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror, it's and you're like, like oh. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not what I thought. My, looks like it's, my face looks like it's melting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that. Every girl could relate. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so you will quickly find out that these are spiteful creatures. They are undead remnants of elves who use their beauty to corrupt and control others, receiving the Banshee's curse. They are fucking miserable. <laughs> um, this divine wrath causes them to feel no gladness. In fact, they feel duress in the presence of the living becoming more and more decayed and rotted in body and mind. So 
Outside of 5e, the Banshee is actually connected to Irish lore. It is very well known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is known as the Woman of the Fairy Mound, and the, referring to mounds of earth or stone over top of graves that are found in Irish countryside. And they are also known as the female spirit who heralds the death of a family member usually haunting an area by screaming, shrieking, and wailing mournful Irish laments, also known as keening. <laughs> she always She's always described with long hair that is white or possibly red, and those red-rimmed eyes are due to her constantly weeping. <laughs> so depending on the region, a banshee has... A large height variance from unnaturally tall, but more commonly as very short, and that she can assume different female forms, sometimes young and sometimes very old. Banshees are limited to only five miles from where they were cursed and began their transformation into a banshee. They remember everything about their life, but still refuse to accept that they are the cause of their demise. You know what? I relate. Yeah. <laughs> Living to denial. Living to denial. Not my fault. No. I will die on that hill. <laughs> Literally. Literally. I will die and I will <laughs> shriek on this Literally side. on that ferry now. Yeah. Um, in fact... They are beauty hoarders. They are attracted to fine jewelry, art, and statues. And should they catch a glimpse of their own horrific appearance in, like, the reflection of of something or in a mirror, they can be set into a rage. So they're a club girl. (laughs) This is is mid to late... This is me on this is me on a Saturday morning at 4 a.m. Where is my McDonald's? Where, where's my McDonald's? Where'd my jewelry go? And dear God, what is that? Someone take off my shoes. Thank you. Uh, so let's get into some stats and abilities for the Banshee. As usual with undead, they have undead nature where they don't require air, food, drink, or sleep. These are medium undead and they are chaotic evil. Their wispy robes bode no armor, landing them at an AC of only 12 and an average hit points of 58. They have a walking speed of zero because they fly or hover for a speed of 40 feet, which is 10 feet faster than any typical player characters. Same as the ellip. Their highest stat is charisma at a plus three modifier. And all other stats are above, or average or above average, except for strength. We're seeing a trend here, too. Um, it sits at a 1 or a minus 5 modifier. They are <laughs> undead spirits, so they are not going to be standing in your way or throwing you across the room. And thankfully, grappling you anytime soon. You're welcome, Megan. These ones are all right. <laughs> Respectfully, die fire. <laughs> yeah. That's all due disrespect. Um, but unfortunately, it goes both ways. Um, they do have a hefty list of abilities and actions, starting with damage resistances to acid, fire, lightning, thunder, and bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks. This is a trend, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they have immunity to cold, necrotic, and poison, and are also immune to the conditions of charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. So you're not going to be able to do much melee or interaction with them either. Yeah. Ghosts, um, am I right? Yeah. 
So that will certainly annoy your fighters and your barbarians as they waste a few rounds learning what actually works yeah. to hit them yeah. or, like, at least damage them in some way. Yeah. Um, in addition, they have dark vision of 60 feet, but a passive perception of only 10. It knows common and elvish, and that brings it to a CR of 4, which is a little bit lower than the ellipse. They are able to magically sense the direction of living creatures that are not undead or constructs within that five-mile radius they are bound to. The Banshee can move through other creatures and objects like difficult terrain with incorporeal movement. However, it will take that 1d10 force damage if it ends its turn inside the object. Mm-hmm. Classic. As actions, it does have that melee spell attack with corrupting touch. This can deal 3d6 plus 2 necrotic damage on a hit, um, but if you're using this undead, the other two abilities are much more fun than this one. You know, it's like, yeah, this is that that corrupting touch, that, like, caress on the face. Mm. But then we have horrifying visage. Any non-undead creature within 60 feet that can see her must make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. You can repeat the save at the end of your each of your turns to end the frightened effect. But it's at disadvantage if the banshee is within line of sight. So you almost will need, like, like I guess... Being frightened, you can't move closer. Mm-hmm. You can only move away. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just sit there frightened and you keep staring at it in line of sight, you are going to be rolling with disadvantage forever. So For, it will be interesting yeah. when the player actually learns that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you succeed on ending it or something else causes it to end, you are immune to that for 24 hours. The next ability is Whale. So once per day, while not in sunlight... The Banshee releases a mournful wail. Any creature aside from undead and constructs within 30 feet must make a DC 13 con save. Um, On a fail, the creature drops to zero hit points. On a success, it takes 3d6 psychic damage. Hmm. That is is rough. That's, yeah. Um, So lastly, there is a variation of the Banshee in the Icewind Dale book. When you find yourself in an elven tomb, this is the Lonely Wood Banshee, a female elf warrior who was banished for being evil and selfish. Fair. (laughs) Women, am I right? (laughs) She haunts Lonely Wood as the only banshee to encounter, and if she is destroyed, she reforms in 24 hours within the forest. She is unable to escape her curse for eternity. It has the same abilities as I just described, but it also has a spectral longbow that shoots phantom arrows, but mechanically works the same as a regular longbow for a ranged attack. I understand there's probably more to this than just that simplicity of she was evil and selfish, but all I can can imagine is that it was some guy that was just like, hey, like my wife told me to be home at 10 p.m. and gave me a curfew, and that's fucked. You know, and then she then she just fucking now has to live her life as this wailing banshee because this twat waffle couldn't make it home by 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, it just gives us a bad rap for yeah. just asking for our needs. You know, yes. like I just, <laughs> how selfish of us. <laughs> Evil and selfish. Evil yeah. and selfish. Yeah. Lord. Yeah. And that is it for um, the summary on these. Let's roll to talk more. Let me get the chalice. 
I have a white dice this time. Purple and green. Get it. 13 right. for Ellie, 11 for me, and 7 for Miss Casey. First once again. So we'll kick things off with role-playing. Thoughts? Just the description of it, of, of just the banshee and... Here's a photo from the book. Ooh. would like. We love a ghostly woman. We yeah. love... Yeah. Yeah. I like her hair color. I was, I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> that nice. platinum blonde that platinum is blonde. real hard to get. Yeah, it really is. It just, it makes her red, red rimmed eyes just pop. pop. Yeah. I'd kill for that <laughs> hair color. Absolutely pop. Yeah. yeah. That, some that, red that, eyeliner that, now. That silvery platinum. Huh. Yeah. 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 We love her. We love her. Um, yeah. It's just, I feel like it's one of those things that you could do that you know she's she's within a specific area of the forest or of of kind of the air of the realm um you know if she's in the forest you just you're trekking along as a party down the path and you're just walking and then all of a sudden you just see like this white in your peripheral mm-hmm you don't know quite know what it is. It could be moonlight. It could be. It could be. It could be a fluff. It could be something. It could be anything. And one person notices it and they're like, what was that? And everybody's like, ah, it's fine. You're fine. It's nothing. It was, it was nothing. And then somebody else sees it and somebody else sees it. And then all of a sudden there's, you just see down the path, hundred feet ahead of you. You just see somebody. You don't quite know what it is. And as you're approaching, that's kind of your encounter on it mm-hmm. is, you know, you could really play up the fact that she is very haunting in her appearance and that sort of thing. So yeah. I think th- I think that that would be like a really cool kind of just beginning of an encounter. You don't quite know why she's there. Um, you know, it, it's possible that. She, I mean, like, she is chaotically evil, so she is probably going to attack you in some way. She's going to scream at you. I mean, the saying screaming like a banshee exists for a reason. Um, she's probably going to engage in some way, but you could have someone that tries to reason with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, she's going to lure you into her own turf. She's yeah. not she's gonna fight you on her own like and it's she only roams around at night. You know yeah. what I mean? So I feel like this is gonna be that that story you hear when you're in the town and you're about mm. to embark on your next adventure to walk through the forest to get to the next town mm-hmm. and you're told, Don't leave the path and don't walk at night. Yeah. And then this is the reason why. Is yeah. because she's gonna try and lure you to her lair. She's gonna try and like sucker you in. Yeah. And it's a, but to you when you leave the town, it's to you it's the story they tell their kids not to leave, go to the forest at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? But technically she is real. You hear her wailing at night and the person who's on watch hears it. Mm-hmm. Great random encounter. Yeah. Great to use as a random yeah. encounter as a DM. I think it would be really yeah. good as yeah. a random encounter. Because it's such a, watch. it's a simple story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can use it for anyone. And I, I think it's like a really good way to kind of throw some action into those really long kind of like travel scenes. Like you've got to get from oh, point A to point I B. I love being on Casey, the road. Casey, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean like you're on the road and it's like, what do you do as a DM? Like, you yeah. know, you're going to throw in those random encounters and this is a great one to throw in. Yeah. I do feel like Adam has embraced upping the random encounters on the road. Because, because we love them. Because, yeah. Because, yeah. You could, there could be anything in that forest. Honestly, some, of my, some of my favorite encounters <laughs> as a player have been those random encounters on the road. Okay. Like, and we just had one in our, in like, like our last episode of our campaign where we encounter, random encountered cloud giants. Yes. 
And, and, and Adam, they, Adam went with it. Like, and now they're like massively helping us, hopefully. Literally carried our, <laughs> literally turned our ship into a flying ship and took us somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. And, like, and it was like, and it was, because what he does is, um, this is what I recommend a lot of DMs do, is he does have the deck of, ra- of cards of yeah. like random creatures and random encounters. Yeah. And, like, when we, we roll dice and he rolls specific, he draws yeah. random cards. Random so they're generators. also random encounters for him, yeah. mm-hmm. which I find is a fun way to do it as a DM, because then you can get a little bit creative yeah. depending on the situation and the scenario that's going on. But with a Banshee, they could literally exist anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Again, because their backstory and their history is very simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and, like, to stick on the Harry Potter theme that we're on today, like, this Moaning reminded Myrtle. me of Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. And so, like, okay, so, yes, it's it's Night Watch. You you switch rotation. You're on the, 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 one, the final watch of the night, and you hear, like, legit crying. Mm. And then you look yeah. a bit further, and you see a girl sitting, like, she's, She's looking white, but she is sitting and she is just sobbing into her dress. Yeah. And you go up and be like, what's going on? What happened? And they have some sort of sad, sopping story to move you in. But the interesting thing about the storyline is, like, they really don't need anything from you except validation of their beauty. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, they're going to be like, oh, like, don't look at me. Like, I think I'm ugly. And then they're like, no, no, it can't be that bad. And then they're like, bah! <laughs> And they're all frightened of her, so it's going to, like, pop it off extra. It's going to be, like, the one bard who makes the save. <laughs> Yeah. Is going to be able to, like, coax her into, like, you know, does that charisma save and coaxes her into, like, no, no, you're so pretty, and then ends up fucking a banshee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's why we have so many half-breeds, right? You're going to look at me and you're yeah. going to tell me that I'm wrong? <laughs> she wore no. a crown and came down in a bubble. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> into this already but what are your thoughts on other things around exploration i mean kind of tying into like the ex uh existential horror or dread um you know kind of what you had said about um you know being frightened and like how often you're gonna be like rolling at a disadvantage and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff before um, you figure out stop looking yeah, at or like pretty someone much. who is slightly more intelligent or wise than you yeah. go you need to you look need away to, you need to look, look away <laughs> it's one of those things that like what is your first reaction as a human when you hear screaming you're going to turn and look to see where it came from mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're caught in this like horrific visage of yep you know staring at this unhumanly beautiful but also tragic thing that's in front of you and you're like what do we do and then you just have like you know all the adrenaline just pumps through your body and you get like you know when you feel like you've had like a bucket of ice water poured mm-hmm. over your head and you're just fight or flight mm-hmm. yeah and i think you could really play that up very much so. I like knowing that you're probably at some point someone's going to want to hunt one of these, you know, yeah. and like not only hunt it, but like maybe it is connected to their sad backstory that it's like their mom or their grandmother that mm-hmm. they want to release and free from like their, 
you know, detrimental dread of, you know, being evil and selfish for wanting their husband home at 10 p.m. Um, <laughs> but then you're told, like, we know where she lives. We know where she exists. She only comes out at night. There is a clearing in the middle of the forest. If you wait there, she will show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that would be an interesting, like, you go out there in the daytime, obviously, your team spends the, the day setting up traps for this. Mm-hmm. But she's a ghost. Yeah. Right? <laughs> she can move through them. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I feel like those who don't research them appropriately, it's going to be kind of like a calamitous and funny thing to deal with. They try and, like, set up a snare trap, but she doesn't have feet, so how could she walk over it? But I also feel like she'd be facetiously funny and, like, pretend that she stepped in it. Oh, no. Oh, yes. save oh, me. No. Save yeah. me. Oh, my gosh. So. Absolutely. But, yeah, I would definitely, like, is again their, their backstory is very simple so you can yeah. throw it into anything and the hunting one would be i think a really fun little like one shot to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like to like you could throw in as well like those mounds that they generally are around you could throw that in to see if your players pick up on it mm. you you open up to a clearing and there's all these mounds um that yeah. are unmarked because it was a mass grave after a, mm-hmm. a war and so they've created these mounds and she resides in there. Um, I also like, it just occurred to me too, uh, this is maybe sliding into combat a little bit, but the horrifying visage when like people see her and then are horrified and actually do get frightened. For the first I time, yeah. <laughs> feel like she would also, you could role play her to mo- continue moving closer to those people. It's like, what do you mean? Why do you, you don't like how I look? And so like, <laughs> totally closing the gap towards, oh yes. because normally it's like, ha you can't get close to me. But I feel like she will then come up to try and use that corrupting touch and being like, no, love me. Because she also wants that validation. <laughs> yes. Oh, and so she's going to be moving along. Yeah. This poor girl just wants to be loved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Someone just tell her she's pretty. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In, in combat, like, yes, like you mentioned, Megan, hunting it or tactics around yeah. trying to do that. Yeah, um. and I feel like yeah, I feel like there's gonna be paths that she specifically traverses. Yep, right. She's gonna have a route. It's yeah. not like your every day is she's she's a Groundhog Day character. Yeah, she it's does like, the same thing every day. Well, let's just go see if there's anyone out there now. Yeah, but everybody knows not to go to those areas. So now she is moving around and crying to herself because yeah. she is legitimately now alone because everyone exits the area. Yeah, and it, but give she, her a wide berth and. And now she just, yeah, it's yeah. like a, literally a wide berth of, like, the village. of This yeah. ghost yeah. area where no one goes. Yeah. And so anyone that walks into it, she's almost going to be excited that somebody is there. So to your point. <laughs> a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I was like, if we went back to role play, that's something I would I would probably play into. It would be like, she's yeah. just so excited somebody is in her space. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but also, fuck, it wants to kill you because yeah. you're pretty. Or, like, could you, could you imagine? Oh, it, yes. Because like, everyone always plays, if you're playing a female character, sometimes you always have that player who is this, like, existentially gorgeous. Yeah. Like so, and that player specifically, she just especially hates. when you're especially when you're playing an elf. Yeah, and, and like, so there's going to be a that, vendetta that well, there, yeah, there's going to be that jealousy of like you are an elf like I was, and you were beautiful like I was. Yeah, and I'm gonna take your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make everybody love me and hate yeah. you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Ellen, what do you think? Um, need to add. No, I mean, I think I think we really did kind of cover combat as far as like you know this being in a surprise encounter and that sort of stuff. I don't really feel like there's going to be a lot to loot 
um, unless I was thinking it's like yeah. jewelry and was things say, like, like that. Like that she carries. Like, there's either like a specific item or she's the one. Pardon me. All of like her victims, like she will loot her victims yeah, of like those would. like those like happy shiny little things, and she's got like a little like ravens. Um, like just like, kind must of get the shiny. Pl- yeah, like essentially, <laughs> like must get the shiny thing, and she has like just like a little like stockpile or like a, like a dragon's hoard of all of these like jewelry and things like that to like try and make her beautiful, but she can't wear them because she's a ghost. I now <laughs> love the idea that her lair will just be filled with all of the dead men. <gasps> that she's lured into her lair. Amazing. And so it's just a bunch of suits of armor and skulls and like skeletons yes. just laying around. And she treats them like live men. dolls. Yeah. Look at so all these oh pretty men God. I've collected. So she talks to them. She has tea parties with them. Like she just wants you to come in and meet them. Like oh, So she's just completely unhinged. <laughs> oh my God. By going all the way in the other direction. I fucking love it. <laughs> Well, and we, I think we do have to maybe touch slightly more on um, the whale. I am surprised a bit that this is once per day, but I feel yeah. like this, so it specifically says in the book that if they catch a glimpse of their appearance, it can send them into a rage. Right. So I kind of want to tie that into potentially this whale where mm-hmm. like... It finally, like, their their deniability on how ugly they are comes to, like, head. It's like, yeah. shit, I am ugly. And this just, like, they're like, no, they smash the mirror or try to smash and the mirror. And they go into, like, a wailing rage. And they go in, they let out yeah. this wail. And this is what causes this, um, this con save. Uh, because this is different from the ellip in that it's a, it's a wisdom save and con save. Um, but there is psychic damage that goes on as well. But on a fail, a creature dropping to zero is big. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Like, that makes me think it should be, like, like comparable to the Ellip in CR. Because well, yeah, I was going to say, especially for something that's a CR of four. Yeah. Like, but it's huge. only once per day. Once per day. Yeah. yeah that's so, what shifts it. Yeah. 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 But that can also, like, so imagine... You've got some of your players running away frightened, yeah. and then it catches in in the shield of your paladin. That's what I was thinking is, like... It, it catches like a glimpse. The shiny helmet of your fighter, like, and something. And then it freaks the fuck out and does its wail, and then two more of your players drop to zero HP. Like, this could easily become a quite intense, problematic scenario, because you might not have... You might have one or no people left to do anything about it, and now you're just going around with people trying to roll the saves to try and do something. Yeah. We fought Banshees once, and it almost killed us. Yeah, it went really bad. Yeah, but Really, we were, really bad. Because we were on, we were, it was a pirate campaign, and we were on a boat, and mm. there was Banshees in the water. And like, or was, it was Sirens. Or was it Sirens? Sirens? It was Sirens that I'm thinking of. I was going to say but Sirens are usually in the similar, water. Similar, similar. I, like yeah. I feel like we fought something like a Banshee when we were um, just outside, we were on the road just outside of Barovia, and yeah. we had to stop at a cabin. That makes sense. And yeah. it was mists, and it was this cabin, and we were protecting the people in the cabin, and these creatures, these incorporeal creatures came out, and they wrecked us. Yeah, ruined. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, don't think, because they, they only have really, like, two... Um, like well three abilities it just it seems like they're basic but they could definitely 
like the t- the tables could turn. They could ruin your day quickly. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Megan, what do you got? Megan is going to teach us all about Bodax, which she calls Bodax. This is apparently the ancient Netherese pronunciation that has been lost to time. Speaking of ruining your day, uh, I'm going to talk about the Badak. 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 Which, when I say it, actually makes me immediately think of the Babadook, which I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen yes. that horror film. Yeah. If you've never seen that horror film, please do. It's actually really well. Really well done. It's very good. Uh, but bear with me. In simple, ter- in simple terms, these are the undead remains of the worshippers of Orcus, who we have talked about in previous episodes, but for mm-hmm. those who don't remember, Orcus is the demon prince of death, also known as the Blood Lord. But, and by followers, I mean his creations. Orcus, cr- Orcus created the original group of buttocks, 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 bodocks? I'm going to say it different every time. But I, I want to say it bodax, so that I don't want to say buttocks by accident. <laughs> Orcus created the original group of Bodaks, but car- by carving his symbol into their chest, uh, which then absorbs their mod body, mind, and spirit, where they are, where they now roam the plains specifically to spread death and destruction in the name of Orcus. So they're not kind beings. To this day, they can be created in this way by carving the symbol into their chest. But the first group were specifically called the Herophants of Annihilation. So there's actually a group of them that were the OGs. They probably hate everything that came after them. Oh, 100%. And they're like lesser than. <laughs> we were first. Yeah, we're the best. Uh, <laughs> more can be created by the by the Bodaks themselves. In fact, each one can create more by turning an, a dead creature, a recently dead creature, just by looking at them. A few fun things to note uh, for RP purposes is first, they do technically have all free will, but they do live in servitude to Orcus, so they know what they're doing. Yeah, This isn't a psychological spell they're under or what have you. This is a we are in servitude to Orcus, we believe in what we're doing, but they have free will to do what they want with that knowledge. Second, Orcus can recall all the things a Bodak hears or sees, and if he wants to, can even speak through them. Third, they have some recollection of their previous life. In fact, their own personal side quest is to rid the realm of their allies and enemies to remove any connection they have to the living planes. Mm. Interesting. So that's what I mean by like, they have free will, is they yeah. have this weird little side goal of I don't want any connection or like lively connection to this realm. So they are actually, if they see an ally or a friend that they once had, they will kill that person. Yeah. Oh God! Okay, I, w- I must say the trauma. I, I, I must yeah. stop and say now that they don't look like their previous selves. So when okay. you look at the imagery in the book, they kind of do look like the Dementor, but they do have legs and arms. And okay. the face is like a elongated mouth that kind of looks like you know that scream painting where he's like holding his hands and like holding his face his yeah. hands and screaming. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they look like. Okay, but like they have the long fingernails like undead should, yeah. and like they have the really really creepy like toe claws. Okay. Like they're like little goblins basically. Yeah. But with, like, a long cloak. Okay. But with legs. So they walk. They don't hover, unlike yells. Oh. Yeah. Theme broken. Yep, theme is broken. (laughs) You were meant to go last. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Um, The fourth thing is due to the corruption, corrupted nature of their soul, nothing can bring them back except for potentially a wish spell. And even then, I feel like as a DM, you could use your discretion on how awesome they are when they return. Yeah. Because when they flip, they are cognizant. They, They know who they were. Yeah. They have a side goal of murdering and killing everybody that they once loved and hated. Yeah. So if you were to wish them back, they're going to have a memory of that. Yeah. yeah. 
and the way that that felt and the way that they operated in that, right? And they're gonna have a scar of the symbol of this fucking yeah. demon lord on their chest. Yeah. That's a lot to come back to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely play that they decide to continue to follow Orcus. Yeah, exactly. Right? As yeah. like in their living yeah. selves. And as their living selves, they're like, well. Yeah, because they don't know any better. Like, like, any, like, like, how do I come back from this? I yeah. might as well just keep going. Yeah. But I think that's a way that you can, if you're a group that was hunting one of these specifically, it's your how to kill them. Yeah. Wish them back to life yeah. and then murder them in there. Like, because then you can yeah. actually easily kill them. Right? Yeah. Yikes. Anyways, that's a whole darkness side of things. That's, that's yeah. That's some murder hobo shit. Love a good murder hobo. All right. So you can find a stat block for these uh, within Volos. Which carries a little bit more of the lore, which I kind of just covered. But there's also a, a stat block within Mordenkainen's uh, Monsters Manual. Um, so I'm going to go over that one today, specifically. Honestly, I looked at them both. They're pretty much exactly the same. It's just that Mordenkainen has the new layout. Mm. So right. it just yeah. makes more sense, right? So these are considered medium undead that are typically, typically chaotic evil. And they are also classically undead. So they have all the same fun immunities, resistances, and senses that you guys spoke to previously. But when it comes to languages, which we all like to point out, this one does know all the languages it knew in life along with Abyssal. So this checks out for the fact that it does have its connection to its old life. Yeah. They are hypersensitive to sunlight uh, and is surrounded by an aura of annihilation. This can be uh, activated or deactivated with a bonus action, and it means that anyone within or stepping into its 30-foot space takes five necrotic damage automatically. I love a good aura. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no save for it, nothing. You step into it, five five necrotic damage. (laughs) It's like, oh, look, but it can be turned off and turned on mm. based on what's going at, on. At its own personal huh. will. But yeah, bonus action. It can do that. Yeah. So, right. so it can just like wait till it's surrounded and then just be like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> An extra five damage for yeah. Uh, for attacks, it can punch with its fists, but also has something called withering gaze. The withering gaze is a DC 13 con save for anyone within 60 feet uh, or take 4d10 necrotic damage. But the most fearsome part of these, and is what I think makes it a CR6, because technically right now they feel very similar to your guys's. Mm-hmm. So what I feel makes it the CR6 is what's called Death Gaze. Mm-hmm. If a creature within 30 feet of the Bodak can see its eyes, so let's see, you're standing and you can see its face. Mm-hmm. At the start of their turn, the Bodak can force you to take a DC 13 con save. If you fail by five or more... You drop to zero hit points. Oof. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't a once per day. Yeah. Oh, this, this is, is this anytime. Is, nope. So let, anytime. let me go Ooh. on. So, uh, so uh, well, however, sorry, to add to that, unless you're immune to the frightened condition, if you're immune to fright being frightened, which some yeah. paladins of light are, uh, they do take only 3d10 psychic damage. And so, but, but they aren't, you know, dropped at risk, what have you. Die. Um, <laughs> however... So unless you are surprised at the start of your turn, you can choose to avert your eyes to avoid having to do the save throw. Okay. Mm. But this means you take all rolls of attacks at disadvantage. So you're basically looking away from it. While you're trying to hit while it. While you're trying to hit mm-hmm. it and fight it. Right? Yeah. So remember how I said that the Bodak can actually turn other creatures into a Bodak? Well, this is how I see this happening. It's not actually written into the stat block that they could, like, it's written in the lore that they can turn one with a look of, like, their eyes. Literally right in the book. This isn't, like, from a wiki. Mm -hmm. It says it in the book that that's what they can do, but the stat block doesn't match that. Right. However, I see that this gaze is the thing that does that. Yeah. You drop to your zero hit points, and then next round, 
you raise as one of them. Okay, yeah. So this is how I see it happen. It's written in stat block, blah, 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 blah. I would like to do a set of skill checks once they've dropped to zero hit points. And the fact that the symbol of Orcus is carved into your chest. Mm. So that's going to have to be the second step. Yeah. If you are successful as the Bodak to carve this symbol into this person's chest before they can be healed, raised, what have you. Yeah. In one D4 days, you rise as one of these. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. if you are brought back to life, you are now a servant of Orcus. Yeah. Welcome to being a warlock. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And that scar just like gets yeah. gnarled and like more more irritated. I was gonna in say a those little days. bit red, a yeah. little bit itchy. Yeah. Like yeah. just it all of a to, sudden, like, leech further, yeah. and you can't do anything about it. Like you've been healed to fuck. You've yeah. been yeah. You, you've been all greater, divine greater intervention. restoration, divine intervention. works. Just blessed <laughs> by everyone. <laughs> now you fucked. Yeah. So. Um, and again, crazy. that last portion is not canonically written. Yeah. That's just how I see I, it happening because I, I of feel, how the lore reads. Well, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I would definitely feel like there would have to be some sort of orca symbol just to kind of go with because it's the how symbol, everybody else because it's written like, in the lore that yeah. the symbol is what pulls in their soul. Yes. So oh, it's it's a binding spell. Yeah, you're basically yeah. saying Orcus, this is yours. Yeah, like yeah, and if it, if the... he's licked it, it's his. He's licked, yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, ew, ew. <laughs> but you gotta build it into the the abilities because like it's a big thing of what they are and yeah. how they spread. Yep. <laughs> so I like That's it. how they spread the word of Orcus. All right, we better roll. Follow the rules and roll before we get too far into the nonsense. <laughs> All right, let me get the chalice. Okay, I'm going pink. Pink this time. I'll go green. Okay, I got a. F- Why am I rolling fours today, ladies? Oh, okay, I just rolled a one. natural one. All right, so I'm going first, then Megan, then Elwin. Okay. Okay, so role playing this. Um, this. <laughs> I like how this, I'm like, this guy, because instantly I think male is going to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, the wailing banshee is this like, oh, man I'm like, yo, the. He's running around spreading his feet. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be an asshole. Checks He's going to be arrogant is, as fuck. His name is like Chad or something. <laughs> it's Kevin, Chad. It's, it's always Chad. It's always a Chad. Mike. Fuck Chad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where was I going with that? I don't know. Role playing ideas, my guy. Role playing this guy. <laughs> yes. So, imagine. Okay, so you're going to stroll in and you're actually, you might even try to engage in conversation with the party that you, you'll walk in to the party. And then in <laughs> your interactions, you will have the opportunity to do that that effect where potentially things can drop to zero. And I want to believe that everybody fails except, like, that fucking elf that doesn't. Mm. And so, like, everybody just, like, drops to zero hit points because they, like, if you don't beat by five, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then it's like, oh, shit. Sorry, if you fail by five. If you fail by five. More, by more than five. So, yeah. like, so the spell says it gives 13. So if you roll an eight or lower. Okay. You will drop to zero hit points. Yeah. So it's possible. Yeah. And that just, like, levels the playing field so fast, then you are actually forcing um, whichever players are left standing, if one or two, to... Become a healer. 
<laughs> become a healer or, yeah, make some really difficult decisions on what the hell they're going to do about this thing. So I would, I would just role play it as this arrogant prick that is just trying to convert more. So it's like, perfect, let's go in. And we'll walk in and start doing what you described, Megan, mm-hmm. while the, the poor elf that, that succeeded is like, what is it doing now? Well, I need to try. And, like, you know, all hell yeah. breaking loose. It's happening, and they need to make a decision on what they're doing. The best part I see, like, in my head, if you were to describe this, too, is, like, it does its 60-foot thing. Three or four of them drop to the ground to zero hit points, and then it just starts carving the symbol into the air. Mm. But it's carving the symbol on all three of them at the same time. Mm. So the Choices. so the one healer that's left is required to make a choice of who they heal and who they bring oh, back they save. and yep. who they save. Yep. Yeah. So good. Do you like better in your party? Yeah. And it's <laughs> gonna your be bestie. it's gonna be my beloved NPC boyfriend. It's not gonna be anybody absolutely. There'll yeah. be no one at the table. Adam kills all of them, so I'll just let it die itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Morbid. Yeah. But uh, the only other thing I can think of for when it comes to role-playing items, uh, I feel like it's not going to want to talk to you that much. It's going to, because it, it's, it's not trying to convince you. No. To no. dip to follow. It, no. it knows that if it can down you and carve the symbol, it doesn't need to convince you of anything. Yeah. So that's its goal. Yeah. Is not to talk to you and convince you to do the thing. However, what I would love to do is tie this into the backstory of one of my PCs, or if I was to make a character, mm-hmm. and I was to do a warlock. I would do a warlock of this as like the patron and you were at once a part of the whatever annihilation group was and you were brought back to life by a wish and you don't know who brought you back. Ooh. So, but you are still technically a warlock of patron, like your warlock patron is Orcus of evil magic and you're just wandering around in your side quest and goal is to find out who brought you back. Who brought you, yeah. (laughs) You're just, like every village you go into, it's like, hey, Hey, so... <laughs> Did you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Orcus? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, I don't know why when I was thinking of this and, like, when you had said that um, they remember everything from their past life prior to being turned and their sole goal is to essentially kill family, friends, allies, and even their enemies. Mm -hmm. Why did my brain go to, like, you have, like, a stupid narcissistic brother that decided to join an Orcus cult and get himself turned into a (laughs) Bodok? And then all of a sudden, like, you, like, this thing just, like, pops up and it's, like, trying to kill you. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And the only way that you figure out who it is is because your brother had, like, a tattoo or something like that. Because, like, you don't, it doesn't look like you did or like it did when it was living. Yeah. But I feel like, like, as it kind of was transformed into this Bodak like its skin would still kind of like it, it body morphs, but like its skin would kind of still say stay the same. So like if it had like some sort of like distinguishable like tattoo on its forearm or like something along those lines, or maybe even a mannerism, or like a mannerism, or like something that's just like very obvious, or like you know something along those lines that would be like a physical tell that this was your relative. Physical tell, but they can also talk. 
They yeah. can also talk, yes. And they remember who you are. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it would just walk through and be like, hi, sister. But, like, <laughs> do you believe it? No. Is the thing. So, mm-hmm. so the other clue so, like, will take that's it there. the other clue is, like, yeah, it could walk up and be like, what's up? My name is Ashley and I'm your sister. And... Calls, calls you by your nickname, your childhood nickname yeah. that no one else would know. Exactly. Uh, hello, yeah. butt face. The yeah. drama. Yeah. The trauma. Yeah. The drama. The drama. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like yeah. So like that was kind of where my brain went. Was I was like, like those damn siblings, <laughs> stupid, stupid siblings. So I thought, okay, moving on to exploration. Throw it down. Um, like my brain when it st- talked about like etching into the skin, I immediately thought of Game of Thrones, where they like mm. the sparrow etched the on the foreheads. Yep. Yep. Um. So I want to believe that there is like non-Bodak cultists that just want to be part of the club. They just want to be cool! And so, like, you see people with, like, these fucked up um, things carved in, like, the wrong spots, like, on their forehead or on their, like, forearm and not on their chest and they're just, like, like the avid, they're avid followers, yeah. and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Got a fan club. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you have to figure out what the hell they're following. And then you think, okay, I'm going to go, like, into the forest and find this realm of these, you know, it's like teenagers dressed in black. (laughs) Hanging out. The emo kid crew. The the emo kid crew. Yes. And then you show up. It's like a horde of of actual Bodox. And it's like, oh, shit. This is what they're trying to do. Yeah. That's where my mouth exploration yeah oh, megan <laughs> so one thing that um i mentioned but kind of like breeze past was that they're they're hypersensitive to sunlight yeah uh-huh. so they will only travel and traverse in the nighttime in nighttime um, or like in like dark forests and yeah because like the but it's so when you're super hyper like your hypersensitivity to sunlight is you immediately take five radiant damage if you start a turn in sunlight yeah. And then while in sunlight, you have disadvantage on attacks and ability checks. So it's like immediately you take damage and you are constantly taking damage. It's not just a disadvantage thing. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be hyper aware that they're going to be outside. It's not even a risk they're willing to take. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to come across one, you know, you're going to be hunting it at night. Yeah. Or it's going to come to you and find you in the middle of the night. Hunting it at night. It's going to be in a crypt. It's going to be in caverns. Yeah. It's going to be, you in know, in the underdark. In the underdark. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, under mountain, it's going to be, you know, in those, yeah. it'll be in like some sort of like dwarven mine. Yeah. Ooh, but I, it, it can send the groupies that have just like scraped the the mark in them to go do their shit during the day. But I would love it if they just like, the groupies think that because they carved the symbols on that they are equally as hypersensitive. So they're just kind of like, their yeah. church is actually a building that all the curtains are drawn. Yeah. For no reason. Because they aren't hypersensitive to light. They're just pretending that yes. they are. So, and that's how you figure out that they're fake, is they end up, like, walking outside, and you're just like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Or you finally just rip the curtains down, and they're, like, writhing on the ground, going, oh my god, but nothing's <laughs> happening, and it's like, Kate. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Why did I just think that, like, the groupies are, like, going out into the villages and things like that, and trying to, like, drum up a whole bunch of people to, like, come to this really cool cave rave? Um, but realistically, it's just the Bodaks that are in there. They're like, can you go get, like, get us people? And they're like, oh yeah, let's, like, say that there's, like, a party in a rave, like, party in this cave. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, like, just absolutely just completely unhinged. 
Yeah, but then if each of them unleash whatever it's called to drop them to zero hit points, potentially if they they don't make it by five points. I I am now just suddenly like hyper, hyper fixating now on, do you know what was the fucking movie with a Lestat where he was the singer? Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's one that is actually a legitimate follower of Orcus. Yes. And yeah. just uses the minions to draw other people in for yes. him to just feed off. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right? That's yeah. kind of like what I was thinking. It's just like, it's like all of these groupies are just like going out there to bring them to this one cave that this one Bodak is in. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. All right. Combat tactics. What do we think? Um, How does it hunt it? Sends its groupies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did talk about the hunting aspect. It sends yeah. groupies yeah. out. Yeah. But you did say it has, it, it can punch, it has a melee ability. It and does. It, and it yeah. does walk, it doesn't just float. Nope. Yeah. It walks at a regular 30 foot walking speed. There's no floating, there's no nothing. It, it acts like a regular undead creature. Yeah. yeah. It's not a ghost. It's not corporeal. It's not ethereal. It's none of that. Like, yeah. right? So. So it, it will have to be slightly more strategic in that way if it does, like, roll up into your camp or you mm-hmm. encounter it because the you know the barbarians and the fighters and the monks are gonna f- like go straight up to it and try and attack it and so it is vulnerable in that sense mm-hmm. yeah. um so you might have to have some tactics around that well it's kind of what the cr6 kind of makes sense it's like they're they're technically in my mind pretty easy to kill so you know how you guys were saying like the theme between years was that they had like a negative strength mm-hmm. these ones do have plus two to strength yeah. And a plus three to con- and dex and yeah. a plus two to con. So they do have a strength and a beefiness related to yeah. them. Again, because they're physical creatures. Yeah. They're not They're not ghosts. Wispy, wispy ghosts. They're not wisps, you know? Uh, so that's where that fist attack comes from because it can fight, yeah. right? Yeah. But I feel like it's going to utilize its auras as much as possible because it's very Absolutely. defensive when it comes to its auras. I feel like its fists are a last-ditch effort if you make it through its defenses. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, but I think it will taunt you. It's an asshole. Yeah, so absolutely. It's gonna, it's gonna taunt you. It's like, come at me, bro, yeah. type thing. Oh, I hate Step, that so much. Just come, come <laughs> at me in my 60-foot bubble. Yeah. 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 And then it's gonna see you take the damage and then keep coming and it's like, oh, shit. Oh, 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 you did make it. Okay. And then oh, it's going to have yeah. to, like, do, oh my God. do and, some melee attacking. In the opposite sense of how, like, the Banshee would scream for attention for being beautiful, the fact that its death gaze requires you to be able to see its eyes yeah. is constantly screaming at you just to look at it. <gasps> it's yeah. like, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, which is also terrifying. Yeah. That is. Yeah. I feel like we... I mean, we covered a lot. I we mean, did. like, I, and I mean, like, what you had said about like the when it quote unquote like dies, if it gets brought back through wish, like, is it actually going to revert back to how it was as human, or is it going to become a a groupie <laughs> of Orcus at this point, or a warlock, or something along those lines? I mean, like, I feel like there this is so open ended in how you would want to take it that. You, you could fit this into how your campaign's narrative is going. Like, do you want this to eventually come back? Do you want this to, to be a one-shot? Do you want this to, you know, just be an entire arc? I can imagine that if it was a, the sibling of a character, yeah. you're, then you'd be like, oh, crap, well, let me bring him back. I'm going to wish him back. Yeah. yeah. And you go through the and process like of wishing him back. Yeah. And when he comes back, ever. he's... Like, again, depressed. Because he's just yeah. like, you took me away from the one thing that gave me life. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. and then he's even more mad and more enraged and more angry and will now spend the rest of his life seeking magic to get back to where he was. Yeah, no, I so say you wish, you wish a Bodak back to its human, original human form. Is Orcus able to change it back again? Or is it able to get changed back into a Bodak again? I'm going to, like, weirdly enough, if I was a DM, I'd retcon it. No, you can't. Yeah, that's what I feel like as well. One time only. Yeah, it's like it's like a one time only type thing. That's what I feel like as well. Um, just to pile on that psychological torture. Yeah. Oh, and then it could just seek higher power because of the rejection. And it can yeah. become your, your long game big bad yeah. evil guy. Yeah. It comes back. You forget about it. The player's like, yeah, I fucked that up. My brother's gone. Yeah. I'll just have to live with that. Yeah. And then, you know, two years into the campaign, guess who you're fighting? Yeah. yeah. You come back for revenge. You forgot your sibling existed. It's been great. Yeah. How wonderful yeah. for you. Yeah. All right. So now we've talked all about those lovely, beautiful beings. Uh, on a scale of one to ten bad decisions, how would you rank these creatures as a part of the undead landscape in D&D 5th edition? Starting with the Ellip. So I feel like with the Ellip it didn't knowingly come across this secret. No. Not necessarily. Like, usually it was, like, it was in a library and it was reading through a tome and it read the wrong thing. Like, yeah. it was in the wrong part of the unrestricted, or of, of the restricted section and, like, shit happened and it was like, oh, fuck. Um, so I feel like it's not really ranked high on, like, the whole, like, bad decision. Now... You could play it that if it was actively going out to look for that secret, you're But stupid. then again, it doesn't change its abilities. So it doesn't looking at it ability. as it stands. Yeah. Like, I agree. I would give it like a three from a scale yeah. of like one, two, just this is an annoying wisp I have to deal with at I was some point in my life. Two. Yeah. It's a two on a bad decision because it's like a... <laughs> just, poor decisions were made. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Casey? Um, if I wanted to play up the, you know, long game torture of potentially an NPC in the mm. background or a player character... Like, you're a big so guy, evil being guy. corrupted, yeah. I'd raise it to a four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Acceptable. Uh, for the Banshee, I would start on a scale of one to ten of most relatable, ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just tell me I'm pretty and give me a snack. <laughs> all we want in life. All I want. Why is it so hard? <laughs> Women are not complicated men. Just tell us we're pretty and give us a snack. Let us haunt the forests and tell us we're gorgeous. <laughs> Let me live my bog hag dreams. I don't understand why. This is such a problem. Also, they're frightening. Yeah. The fact that they do yeah. have the ability that they can drop you to zero hit points does scare me. Yeah. 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 Um, I also did get the vibes of, um, like, Lord of the Rings when... Oh, my God. My mind is blanking. But when... Um, the one elf potentially oh, um, gets corrupted by the, the ring because she wants to take it mm -hmm. for the Fallen. power. What's her name? Uh, Gladriel. Gladriel. <laughs> I'm like, I know this. I watched Lord of the Rings like yeah. 25, no, Yeah, the elf, the elf queen. Yeah. When Gladriel like turns dark, this That's is exactly. that. That's exactly. It's the, oh, please come over here. And like the hair is flowing across the face. Mm -hmm. You can't tell. And then suddenly it's like, give me your necklace. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, eight. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that about you. Yeah. 
You're not that scared of them. I'm not. I'm <laughs> That's really why I not. Said scale of one to ten of relatability. Yeah, ten. I'm yeah. not. You know, like I'm like a like a, I'll you know I'll give them a five. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. like middle of the road because, like, again, I personally am not scared of them. Would I be annoyed encountering them? Probably a little bit. Do I want to hear him scream? No. No. Um, but if you kept moving yeah, along, you would yeah, leave if, them behind. If, like I know. I feel like if you just ignored her. She'd go away. <laughs> yeah. And, like, here's the thing, though. Banshees are very common in D&D and other role-playing games. Yeah. Banshees are just known. So this is the one This is the one monster yeah. that the Dan at the table is going to be like, I know what that is. We're not doing that. But yeah. then the DM can be like, roll for history in the fa- or arcana to know yeah. what it actually is. Because yeah. your character if you, if might not know that. Yeah, if you're metagaming. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like Banshees are so well-known just in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am one, so. Yeah. <laughs> Feel my wrath. Uh, so the Bodak. Why do I feel less threatened by it than the Banshee? Because I feel like they're threatening if they come at you in a group. Yeah. Because yeah. here's the thing. Yes, its abilities are not that scary, but here's the thing. So the Banshee, with its drop to zero hit points ability, once per day. Yeah. This one can do it. It's, it's a gaze yeah. thing. It can look at you. So here's the thing. If you have four or five of these in a room with you, you're going to look at one of them. Yeah. 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 So you might you might gaze away from one of them, but there's gonna be another one standing right there. Yeah, that is where the bad decisions goes to like. Yeah, and if we are considering these eight. as to be very cultisty, yeah, there's going to be a group of. I them. know. I was gonna say eight because I was like, ah, oh, like it's never good. It's never a good decision to join a cult, guys. It's true. It's true. Yeah, from a scale of one to ten, don't join a cult. Ten out of ten. Ten. Now it's time to close the casket on this part of our conversation on Undead in D&D 5th Edition. If you'd like to discuss uh, what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and r slash It's a Mimic. For more episodes on monsters and other D&D topics, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bring Out Your Undead. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store and a Patreon. You can check the show notes for details. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Never mind. <laughs> Should we do a what? Should we do a scale of fuckability? Oh. Mary kill fuck? Mary- oh. <laughs> fuck Mary kill. Okay. 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 Uh, I'm a I'm a fuck a banshee. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'd marry the banshee. I would kill fuck the ellip. No, I'd fuck the ellip. You fucking fuck the Love, love oh. me a knowledgeable king. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was gonna marry the Alip. <laughs> and then just kill and then just kill the boat act because I can't get over the fact that it's like your narcissistic sibling. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're just kill yeah, we're all yeah, I can agree. We're all killing the boat act now that we have that narrative in our yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs>
And how can you not fuck a banshee? Right? I'm glad we're all in agreement. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of smut out there for it. Oh, 100%. You're welcome, Adam. <laughs> Technology sucks. Prep and then showing up and then it's gone. Because you, it almost happened to you a couple, one time at least, you were like, all my stuff is gone. <laughs> yes, that's happened to you before. And then I also had one where like I forgot a section and then like I had a full blown anxiety attack. Yeah. And then Dan had to like pause and be like, it's okay, Megan, we'll take 10 minutes, figure your shit yeah. out. I'm like, okay. That's what, that's what would happen to me. Yeah. Like, I was losing my mind. Yeah. So. Is this a new chair? Yeah, it's just, in my, it's my office desk chair. Oh. You just never see it because it's usually under the table. But my art desk is underneath my large desk right now. Oh, God. Because it was where my Christmas tree is right now. Gotcha. So once the Christmas tree goes away, art desk will leave again and chair will go back under the desk because I don't use it. Cool. Standing desks, you know? Yes. Wave of the future. All right. How are we for sound here? I think we're okay so far from what I can see. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty. That's pretty okay, I guess. (laughs) Welcome to another episode yeah, that looks good. Okay. I thought you yeah. we were starting right away. I was like, oh, just jump right in there. No yeah. warning. Okay. I, uh, um, I happily don't have any words that I need to try and practice before. That's usually what my sound, what I do for sound check is like, I don't think this so, fucked up word. I don't think I have either. I, sorry, I also, um, because the thumping on this thing is. This doesn't work? Okay. Yeah, so I specifically that's put a thinner. That's why mine's behind. I put a thinner blanket here so I, that it's balancing a little more. Okay. Don't trust myself to put red wine on a white blanket. Okay, this is my taco blanket. It can get destroyed. I don't care. Um, no. Taco? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally just a circle that looks like a taco shell, but the bottom is white. <clears throat> and do we have dice? Shit. I've... Oh, I'm a... This is the very, very first time ever that I have thought of it before we started. <laughs> These are all D10s. Give me a second here. They're my L5R dice. So just give me a sec. No, Mo. You can't make everyone happy. You're not a taco. No, he is not a taco. I just realized as well that I did not take my allergy meds. (laughs) So, good thing we're only doing one tonight. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Jeez. I did not take my allergy stuff because I, I just totally forgot. It's been a while. Would you, would you like one? I have some. Um, I should be fine because we only have one. Okay. So, you know. Right. Well, if you are feeling some type of way, you just let me know. Okay. I do have them in my house because I'm allergic to cats. And I'm just, I have allergy medication. That my is cat a is a fluffy thing. cat. Mm-hmm. <sighs> fluffy cat, fluffy cat. You know what I love about doing the Undead podcast? Hmm. There's no fucking cold open that we have to figure out. I didn't even know what a cold open was until I started doing the regular podcast. <laughs> and then I got caught out. And I was like, did you do your cold open? I'm like, the what now? You're like, what the fuck is a cold open? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm hyper aware on those. And uh-huh. yes, I am grateful. <laughs> Giant series in this one. Nope. It's a great change of pace. Great change of pace. <laughs> Are you ready? So we're going to talk about Alips. I have a feeling that uh, that Adam might budge in and say that I'm pronouncing that wrong. I mean, it's either Alip or Alip. I I was going to say Alip. Alip, Alip. But it's two L's. Yeah. Alip. 
I'm going to go with Alep. Alep Alep works for me. Mm -hmm. So we've got Alep's. Um, They're outlined in Mordekainen Presents uh, the Monsters of Multiverse. Alep's are tattered, twisted, tortured. They vaguely resemble the person that they once were. They were dark, or they are dark and have humanoid upper bodies with uh, glowing eyes and a snarled mouth, but its lower body is more like ghost-like. Um, leg, legless, translucent, ethereal. They're trailing in. in Sorry, dark... say that word again. Ethereal? Ethereal? Ethereal. Ethereal? <laughs> ethereal? Never in my life did I think I would in, like, correct somebody on their pronunciation of something. Ethereal? <laughs> ethereal. I always said ethereal. You know what? That sounds like my grandmother's name, but that's fine. Ethereal. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> okay. Let's try this all over again. <laughs> You're doing fine. No, okay. <laughs> I'm just here to correct you and tell you you're wrong. <laughs> Take two. Oh, sorry. I really needed to sneeze, but it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I waited too long. I held it. <laughs> you need to stop whispering when you say things. <laughs> I didn't think I was whispering. That was that was that was it. <laughs> Make sure <laughs> that I'm loud. And how can you not fuck a banshee? <laughs> <laughs>